This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm with David Hughes. Dave, people who are viewing will see that you've you've got a bit of a tango going on. How was your break? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. It's um, it's not. I promise, it's not some bedtime. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was away for a few days last week. Weather was really good. Obviously, come home and certainly for us in the UK, uh, we're getting a little bit of what you'd call a heat wave, I guess. Um, which has been nice. You know, it makes a nice change because it feels like someone hasn't really got going yet. Um, so finally, we're getting some nice weather. So. Excuse to top up the tan in the back while writing some football stories. Yeah, well, despite your little break, you're still tuned into Analyze Nanfield. You still joined me on the show. At the time, we talked about Darwin Nunes for a full episode. Uh, it might have been the first time we've done that, uh, dedicating a whole episode to a single player. And now he's signed. So, um, first of all, we're just going to do generics on that, general thoughts, now that he's actually a Liverpool player. Then we're going to look at some further details around the upcoming season and the squad but yeah in terms of Nunes mate Liverpool got the man it's supposedly a 64 million initial fee that can rise in total to 85 million if he makes a certain number of appearances scores a certain number of goals in Liverpool and the Champions League as well so all in all what are your thoughts it's funny isn't it how they don't sound so much like pipe dreams these days do they you know maybe a few years ago yeah. it would have but not now um yeah look from a Liverpool perspective I think there's there's going to be relief that the deal actually got done it kind of felt like um it would never get done at one stage you know we we recorded on Thursday on the on the premises of it all kind of being done and dusted and then you know it, it took until early this week to finally get announced but you know, there would have been a huge relief that it did. Uh, I think it's really exciting for the reasons that we stated, you know, at length in the show last week. Uh, really good move for Liverpool. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. You know, it's it'll be interesting to see how, how he starts. You know, Liverpool have tended to have a lot of success in terms of not only uh, making good purchases on paper, but also having these players kind of finding a way to, to hit the ground running. Uh, you know, if you think of like Jota, if you think of Diaz, you know, they're two recent examples of players who've come in and, and almost had a, an instant impact. So if you can do that, uh, it'll be key because, you know, we expect the title race again to go to the wire. Um, it's not really about the running anymore. You know, you've got to be at it from the start. And, and if Liverpool can get him uh, firing on all cylinders from the outset, then, you know, it could be huge come the end of the campaign. Yeah, I must admit, I am uh, very excited about this one. Really looking forward to seeing how he gets on, seeing how he plays and all that sort of stuff. Um, I actually checked, <laughs> every now and then I checked the comments, and uh, I checked the comments last week, and every every time Liverpool buy a player and we do a podcast on it, you get one or two saying, cheer up, lads, you know what I mean? But it's because we don't particularly focus on the, the cheerleading elements of, of of buying a new player, although those elements are obviously there. We try to analyse pros and cons and 
just an unbiased analysis of the player as though we aren't Liverpool supporters, if you like, and we're, we're totally detached, which Dave obviously is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll throw that one in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but despite how we might have seemed last week, I am very excited about this sign and, and I'm very, very curious to see how the player gets on. I think it's very interesting tactically. Uh, Klopp seeming to buy a, a player who's a bit more on the mould of a striker, you know, six foot two, good in the air, um, relatively unproven to an extent um, in terms of only having one big season behind him. But despite that, he looks like he's going to be a top performer. It'll be interesting to see if his finishing remains at the same level. Um, I sent out a newsletter yesterday on him, just um, little basics that we hadn't really touched on much, such as he's taken 10 penalties since he emerged as a player um, at Benfica and at Almeria in all competitions, hasn't missed a single one. Um, he scores a lot with his first touch. I think 13 of his 22 non-penalty goals last season were first-time finishes, uh, which is quite interesting. So overall, it's a, it's a really interesting sign. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. I must be. I must be honest. I've thought for a while. We did speculate, didn't we, a while back as to how Liverpool will will move past the front three. And I always thought. I think in an ideal world, Liverpool will have wanted to probably sell one of them, and use that money to get at least one of the the new lads in. If you know what I mean. And through the sale of Mane, funding, you know, a little, hopefully a little, a little bit more than half of of Nunes's fee. I think it's a great deal, personally. Yeah, because I mean, what with with the Mane deal in, in particular, obviously he is still a world class, you know, in the kind of top ten strikers, or you know, or forwards in the world. But it still feels quite quite a deal that they're getting. I mean, what's the latest figures on that one? Do you know? Off the top Liverpool of supposedly are holding out for forty two and a half million. I'm not exactly sure why it's that specific, but it. It is, um, and I think they would. I wouldn't be surprised if they get it, or certainly close to it. I mean, that that's a lot of money, really, for the player who's only got twelve months left on his current deal. Um, and he's thirty. Think, old. Yeah, he's thirty. Yeah. So if you're looking at thirty year old with twelve months left on the deal, you know, I would have been expecting it to be in the twenty in the twenty millions kind of area, which obviously buying we're expecting that as well, which is I think the initial offer we put forward. Looks like it's obviously going to be rejected. Maybe it doesn't go to the full 42 and a half. Uh, I know that's what Liverpool might be holding on to, but you think now with Nunes coming in, does the landscape change a little bit where Liverpool will be in a position where if they think Bayern could potentially walk away, uh, then maybe they'd be willing to, to to accept a little bit less. But I don't expect it to be much less than than, than that kind of bottom line figure that's being quoted. Um, but... Going back to the original point, if you kind of think of it, there's an outgoing 30-year-old with 12 months left on his deal. That's paying for half of this, um, half of this move for a player who is um, early 20s. You know, looks to have a very high ceiling. Yet to be seen whether his ceiling will reach the heights that Mane has over the past four or five years. But you know, you, you can never accurately predict that. Um, are you? Are you a little bit surprised at Bayern? Uh, in what in terms of going for Mane, just in terms of the the nature of the transfer, you know, they're the going on buying a um, a thirty year old 
forward there who is probably past his peak. We know generally when it comes to forward players anyway, as they get older, they stop dribbling as much and stop threatening them behind as much and things. Um, and he's on a big wage. By all accounts, he's going to be on a big wage. And I think it's interesting that they're, they're doing this deal, but they seem relatively satisfied allowing Serge Gnabry to run his contract down and refusing to give him a certain amount, even though he's five years younger and he's German. And I don't know. I just think mm-hmm. I don't. I don't doubt Bayern's, um, you know, proficiency in the market and stuff. But I feel like if this was, if if this was Barcelona, I would be seriously doubting. But I, it it would look like a bad move because of what we associate Barcelona with. I think. Uh, considering what they've been like in the past couple of years, but with Bayern, you have a bit more faith that you know what they're doing. Mm. But I'm a little bit, little, little bit surprised that they're, that they're doing a deal like this. Yeah, if I had to speculate, and it is pure speculation, uh, I do wonder whether they know Lewandowski, Lewandowski is leaving want, or wants to leave. Um, obviously, he is 33 now, uh, coming up to 34, I think. Can't remember exactly when he turns 34, but. They probably looked at Mane, who has looked very clinical, certainly in the last 12 months as a finisher. He's been a really uh, reliable finisher. Um, I actually haven't looked at his underlying numbers, so they do sometimes have a knack of making a fool of you, the numbers. But um, based on the eye test alone, I think he has been really clinical, certainly since the turn of the year. And I just wonder whether they think age uh, maybe isn't a huge factor for them. You know, they he could have plenty of success with Mane for another two or three years and playing him through the middle uh, as, and kind of being like a replacement for Lewandowski. You know, I wonder if maybe that's what they're looking at. It don't, Because obviously, if he's playing that role, there's less reliance on uh, on those physical traits that you just alluded to. You know, he doesn't need to be as quick as he used to anymore. He doesn't need to be as, as dangerous dribbling. Uh, he, he's pretty much there to to finish uh, moves rather than, you know, help and create them. So, yeah, that, that's that's the only thing I, I can kind of see, uh, that they may be just looking at him as a versatile player who can play different roles, but predominantly he can be a Lewandowski replacement. He's dangerous, clinical, uh, and that's why they're willing to pay it and hopefully super fit and they'll get another three years out of him. Yeah, it's one of them where it's, it's going to be interesting to follow after the move happens, considering... Generally, since Klopp, Klopp arrived, the, the major players that Liverpool have sold have had nowhere near the same amount of success once they've left Anfield. It's going to be interesting to see if that's the case with a player as good as Mane. But if you look at Coutinho, things obviously collapsed. If you look at Gini Wijnaldum, one of the, I think I saw a thing the other day in, in French football media, he was regarded as, I think, the, the flop of the season. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, Emre Chan left the club didn't particularly pull up trees. Um so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how Mane gets on. But but I wouldn't be that surprised if, you know, this time next year, for example, it's looking like an absolute genius deal because Nunes has probably hit the ground running, similar to how Jota did, how Diaz did. And Mane's probably probably doing okay. But I don't think it'll be a case of we we miss him that much personally. Um, obviously, Liverpool were linked with Lewandowski as a replacement for Mane. They were linked with Gnabry as a replacement for Mane. But all things considered, I like that Liverpool have went and got a, a 22-year-old who is 
potentially going to do it for the next decade. I thought it was interesting that he signed a six-year contract, which you don't usually see. Um, and he, you know, he's got everything there, ever, all everything that he wants on his side to be a top marksman for Liverpool for the next six years minimum. Mm. So uh, it's an interesting deal, and one that I'm looking forward to next season in terms of FPL, mate. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, hold on, are you going to put him in? No, to be honest, I doubt it from the start. But uh, I have a bit of a theory. I said this yesterday on the the newsletter that I think, as a result of him playing, I think Salah might generally hoover up less of Liverpool's shot count. Uh, not not major, but if it, I likened it to how Salah played when he played with Jeho at, at Roma, and Jeho was very much the main man. I think he scored twenty nine goals in Serie A, the most of his career in a single season. Salah was a bit more of a support act. Uh, and considering Salah might leave next summer, um, I suppose it does make a degree of sense to kind of phase the team towards that where Nunes is more of their prominent figure in the in the final third as opposed to Salah who could be getting off. Well, um, what's a reasonable fee off the top of your head now, in your opinion, to get Nunes? Uh, what, should, what should he be set as on FPL? <laughs> what would tempt you? Um, there's no way he should be above nine for me. Or, see, I, should... I can see him going in about eleven point one. That's too much. That's too yeah, much. I, I would... thinks nine as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe nine point five, but above that, nah, too much. I I can see him doing a because uh, what did Lukaku go in at? He was high. He was high. I'm I sure. think it was eleven, but he's played in the league before, and he and he'd have he'd have the peak age. Hmm. Okay, my prediction that we can come back to this. I, w- I won't say it as high as 11. You have talked me off that hill, but definitely I'm going to say that he's going to be plus 10 for sure. I mean, I suppose Liverpool attack has a less attractive next season considering the depth that Klopp has. This time last year, it was still very much Salamani, Firmino and I suppose Jota. Now we have added Diaz and, and also added Nunes to the fray, so... It could be could become Liverpool being a bit more like maybe Manchester City in previous years, where <clears throat> you've got five top players and they're just constantly voting to manage the schedule. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. So yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from Nunes because we've talked about him a fair bit lately, but that is certainly one to get excited about. Um, on top of that, today, this morning, actually. Uh, the fixtures got released for the upcoming season uh, across the board. So, Dave, I mean, immediate thoughts on not just Liverpool, but on, on I suppose, the whole table. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Never look like Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, at home, you know, you know... Lampard. They had a decent, yeah, yeah, they had a, they had a good result against them, didn't they, in the, in the running, so... No, maybe that's not a, a bad one. It's I, I actually think Chelsea will be will be less looking forward to that one. Half five, Goodison. I think that'll yeah. be a, a one. It's not ideal to start with, um, but yeah, I, I think Liverpool two really good opening games. You know, Fulham away, Palace uh, at home. You expect them wins there. It's interesting that the the two kind of bigger derby games are, are in that are in that run, aren't they? Going to Old Trafford so early on, and then going to Goodison as well. I mean, I don't know what if your viewpoint is get them out the way early doors, Josh, or or whether you prefer to have them later in the season. But a um, little bit tricky, that, I think. 
Yeah, I think for me, I would. I actually think United's third game is is very good for us, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason to think that is because pressure's on at the moment for them, uh, and their first game of the season is Brighton at Old Trafford. That is far from a given. That's a tough game, that. Um, and then after that, they've got Brentford away. Now, I think a lot of United supporters will be looking at Brighton and then Brentford as a given six points. It's not a given six points. They could easily get two points from that. Hmm. Uh, and if they do, and they go into the game with Liverpool, and they've got to perform, you know, that's not easy. And on top of that, obviously, Ten Hag's just starting. So... If you're playing Liverpool, if you're playing United three games into Ten Hag's first season at Old Trafford, as opposed to playing Ten Hag United at Old Trafford twenty-five games into the season, they've just got used to his methods a bit more by then. So I, yeah. I think it's quite good that Liverpool are getting that away early. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I think. Um, I mean, we, we we didn't really actually list them, did we? Which probably is worthwhile, just for people who don't know. It's a uh, Liverpool got Fulham away, Palace at home, United away, Bournemouth at home, Newcastle at home, and Everton away. I mean, even Newcastle now, you don't like you look at Newcastle and you think, you know, what kind of proposition are they going to be? Um, obviously, they're yeah. going to be traditionally a, a kind of easy three points, but suddenly you think, are they going to be a little bit tougher? I think Liverpool's run it on the whole. Um, it could have been much worse, but it's also, you know, it looks like it, it, it could. Um, have some tricky spells in it. I think cities is a little bit disappointing from a Liverpool perspective. Um, obviously, got West Ham away, Bournemouth at home, Newcastle away, Palace at home, um, Nottingham Forest home, and Villa away. Um, I mean, I can only really see them having some issues. Maybe at West Ham, as they did, you know, at the back end of last season, and maybe away to Newcastle. But beyond that, you expect them to start getting points on the board early, don't you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they haven't got a single top six team in the first six games. But I would add to what you've just said there, though. I think first game of the season to face West Ham away, I don't think that's an easy game. Uh, I think that's tricky, that. And, you know, every team wants to do well first game of the season. Every team is extremely focused first game of the season. So I don't think that's an easy game. And then for your next away game to be Newcastle away, Newcastle are going to be really up for this season. Newcastle could be going into that on the back of two wins, considering they've got Forest and Brighton their first two games of the season, and it's at St James's Park. So, I think City have got an easy start, but two banana skins in the first three fixtures there. Um, and if they did drop points against West Ham or Newcastle, although I think that's understandable, you just you get all them narratives, don't you, about... Haaland not fitting in and all this nonsense. So you, I suppose you just, you never know, really. Yeah. it The, the first few games are, are strange, aren't they? Because obviously in the grand scheme of the campaign, the, the huge, you know, it was a point difference last season between City and Liverpool. Um, But I don't know, City, City remembered, they, they didn't start well, did they? Um, obviously they, they got beat at Tottenham, if I remember correctly, last season, 1-0. Um, yeah. I can't remember what they followed that up with. Um, but I guess the point I'm making is it's it's really hard to determine how important these uh, first six games are in, in terms of the immediate, you know, in terms of the, the race as it's, as it's happening, as opposed to, you know, the points on the board at the end. Um, 
I mean, you, you couldn't really... I'm trying to think. So, say we look at the first game, both City go to West Ham, Liverpool go to Fulham. It's not It's not without the... I guess, based on what we've been talking about, there's, there's a chance Liverpool got, could go finish the, that, that game week, you know, with, with an advantage of some kind. Then you imagine both teams win the next game, Palace and Bournemouth. And then that I tell you what's really interesting, Josh, and in talking now is the similarities in the fixtures in terms of difficulty between Liverpool and City. Yeah. Um, you know, in that third game, Liverpool going to Old Trafford, they're going to St James's Park, followed up by Palace and Bournemouth at home. Um, One thing I've just realised as well is both of their fixtures go away, home, away, home, home, away. Mm-hmm. And uh, at yeah. the end of the season as well, last game of the season, surprisingly, Liverpool are away and City are away, which isn't particularly common. I think City have got, is it Brentford? might be Brentford. Liverpool have got Saints, I think. Yeah, uh, which, I, 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 that, that doesn't usually happen now. Mm, yeah, got so I mean City's running. If we talk at the running, it is a little bit tougher. Uh they've got um Everton away, Chelsea at home, and then Brentford away. Um which I mean let's have a look. What's Liverpool's then? So Liverpool have got we just gone last four games, Brentford at home, Leicester away, Villa at home and Southampton away. Kind of feels like that's a lot kinder. I think that's quite favourable. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, isn't it? Have you seen Palace's stat? <laughs> yeah, that's a look at it's it. absolutely brutal. Like, they've Arsenal, got... Ouch. Yeah, so they've got Arsenal at home, Liverpool away, Villa at home, Man City away, Brentford at home, Newcastle away. Yeah, even, the, even the easy games are still tricky. I think Villa, Newcastle... Brentford, they're, they're not easy teams to play against. And then in between them, you've got Arsenal, Liverpool and City. I actually, if I remember correctly, I'm sure Palace's running start of this season was was a bit troublesome as well. Like I think that's what made me think, OK, these are actually a decent side because they picked up a fair few points in what was a in what was a tough run of fixtures. Yeah. Uh, After the first six fixtures, who do you think is top? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Really good question. Um, out, of it, out of everyone, really. I mean, it doesn't just have to be down to the obvious two. Okay, I mean, all right, before we answer that, though, who else do you think is in with a shout this year? Do you actually think of the title? Else is in with a shout? Yeah. Only, in fact, no, not, not for the title, but I am really intrigued to see Spurs this season. Yeah, Tottenham. I would put Spurs as the only potential threat to Liverpool and City. Um, I don't really, I don't quite know what to make of Chelsea at the minute. I think they need to get a fair bit sorted. You know, the the club hasn't changed ownership yet. They've lost a fair few defenders uh, this summer on free transfers. Lukaku's gone back to Inter on loan. Uh, the link with Sterling and Jesus, they need attacking players, in my opinion. They've got a, a really dodgy attack. Um, can't say he's always injured, so I don't think Chelsea will be much of a concern for me. They'll always be a tricky opponent. But mm. in terms of winning the league, I mean, unless they have a, a really notable summer, I I can't really see it personally. I, I think United will probably drift around the fourth best team all season. Uh, Arsenal, I'm intrigued to see what they do. Maybe they can 
push on a little bit, but then this season I've got European football. So for me, it's Spurs. I'm, I I think, especially Conte, I think Spurs and Spurs could get close to, to Liverpool and City, but I'm not sure what close means. When I say close, I mean like you know, maybe six points away from from the pair or something like that. So you think they'll go closer than Chelsea did this year? Uh, yes, I think so. Because mm-hmm. Chelsea had a bit of a collapse. I mean, a lot of it weren't their fault. They had notable injuries to the two wing backs, and they played with a, a back three system. So that was just unfortunate for them. But what are your thoughts on that? In terms of yeah. Spurs, yeah, I, 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 the thing with Spurs is I, I just don't trust their kind of longevity. You know, over the course of a campaign, uh, I think they're the good side, but I think they're doing good business again. Uh, suddenly you're looking at this, they're not even just starting 11, their squad and thinking that's a, that's a really strong squad. You know, probably a fair case to be made that it's the third best now in the division, which is a, a testament to the good work they've done. But I don't know, there's just something with Spurs. And I'm not I'm not even playing into that, you know, Spursy narrative stuff. But there's just something with them where uh, everything feels finite, like they're... Good, good spells feel finite, you know, the bad spells feel finite. Conte's on manager, always feels very short-term. Um, so I'm just, I can't foresee over, you know, nine or ten months, however long the season goes. I can't imagine them just kind of putting together the kind of form, consistent week-in, week-out form like you see from City and uh, Liverpool. But if they do kind of produce the best version of themselves for the season, then, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tipping them to go third. But, I mean, if we look over the first six weeks, um, will they keep pace with Liverpool and City? They've got Southampton at home, a win. Chelsea away, mm, tough, maybe a draw. Wolves at home, always a tricky game. Forest away, probably win that. West Ham away, again, another tough one, Fulham at home. So, I think they've got three games in there where they could potentially drop points. I think Liverpool and City have, have two. So... I expect it to be one of Liverpool City still top uh, or all top at the end of the six weeks, and I couldn't actually give you an answer of which of the two. I think it, that that's tough. I don't know yeah. who I'd actually back out the two to, to to be top. Yeah, it's a coin flip, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I think when it comes to Spurs, though, one of the reasons I'm intrigued is just a, a the business he seems to be doing. They actually seems to be shaping the squad in the way which Conte wants. Um, which usually bodes well for him. You know, even just getting in the likes of Perisic and supposedly Ericsson as well, really experienced top performers who, okay, they're going to be on short-term deals, but Spurs just seem to be doing it, you know, for Conte. Um, And you've got to remember as well, Conte is one of the few coaches who's delivered a 90-point season in the Premier League with a a Premier League team. In 16-17, Chelsea got 93 points. Uh, And that was not an especially brilliant Chelsea team. You know, they had Victor Moses in that side, starting every week. Uh, I know Hazard was a bit of a special one, but and they had Kante, I suppose, at his peak as well, but generally it was more of a functional team than anything. Chelsea won 30 out of their 38 games that year. So, I don't know. I, as I said, I'm intrigued more than anything with Spurs. Um, part of me wants them to engage in a bit of a battle. I think it'd be interesting to have a a proper top three going forward because I know that was sort of the case last season, but then Chelsea fell off it. Mm. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to track. But um, overall, fixtures are out. Liverpool's start is reasonably favourable. 
the conclusion yeah. to the season's favourable. You know, I've just noticed, Josh, on the start, um, Liverpool have played the Championship winners now four years on the run, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if that's... I mean, I'm going to say I don't even know if that's favourable. Of course it's favourable. But yeah. I, I think... Funny enough, I think each time there's been these promotions, the team that wins the league isn't usually the trickiest opponent for Liverpool. Um, I think Liverpool last season, for example, struggled far more against Brentford than I think Norwich won the league. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think Fulham is similar. Fulham are a football playing team, and Liverpool will, I think, will benefit from that. Whereas if Liverpool were facing, for example, Forest away, it can be a bit more of a scrap. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you get them curious things, don't you? Like apparently Liverpool yeah. always face Everton at Goodison first, do they? Uh, they, yeah, they have been. Sixteen out of the last twenty, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's happened a lot. Yeah, it's uh, and the thing is, it's not it's not random, is it? The fixtures aren't random. There's a lot of things that actually uh, impact it, and I think that's yeah. why you see similar trends every year. One frustrating thing I do I do find with the calendar, and it was the same this season, uh, which I just don't like, is when Liverpool play City at Anfield first. I really hate that. Um, I think Anfield's really good for a special occasion, and it's good when you you know the the title race is going a bit to the wire and it's getting late in the campaign. I think Anfield can really drag us over the line, but mm. this season just finished and the season coming now. I think Liverpool are playing City at the Etihad in around April, two seasons in a row there, which is which is not good. Mm. Yeah, because that's obviously the size of game and. Uh, record at the Etihad's not not great at all, is it? Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. But we'll we'll move on anyway from fixtures, and we'll move towards Liverpool's squad. Obviously, the the transfer window I think is open. Is it open, Dave? <laughs> uh, I think it's first of July, actually. Okay, well, if it's if it's not open, it's going to be open mm. soon. Mm. Um, and Liverpool well have already, open. yeah, Liverpool have already agreed a number of deals. Fabio Carvalho is coming in. Darwin Nunes is coming in, and there's still plenty of players in the squad. The squad's really deep. So next week we're probably going to look at what we would do with the squad in terms of incomings, maybe who we would buy, and things like that. But I think for the remainder of this episode, we're just going to have a look at how we would manage the current squad, I suppose, in terms of key areas. Mm. So I think I'll start with probably Trent department. Obviously, Trent has the starting role. And behind him is James Milner slash Nico Williams. James Milner's staying for the next year. Obviously, he'll spend some of his minutes in midfield. But I personally, despite his development, I think this is a really good time to sell Nico Williams. Is that because he had a good campaign in the championship? Exactly that, yeah. Same with Brewster. When when Brewster yeah. had that campaign with uh, Swansea, <clears throat> half a campaign, I think it was, you're just never going to get those players to be valued as much as that ever again. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. We got, <clears throat> we got 25 million for Brewster. Yeah, that was insane. Has he scored That's a goal, just, yeah? I don't know. I don't know, but that's 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 why you cash in at these like really peak moments. That's why Benfica did so well to get to cash in on Nunes now, because it just made so much sense considering the season he just had. 
uh, and Nico Williams hasn't had the season to that level, I suppose, but he has done well in the championship and he's going to be definite interest in him. Yeah, so we... I think he's still he can still be a Premier League player, but he just can he be a Liverpool player? You know, can he hit those heights? Probably, probably not. Um, but the, the only thing I would say to that, Josh, if you if you cash in, what you do in terms of cover? Are you just relying on Milner for the season? Is that what you think? You think? Oh, we're, we're, we're currently linked with a lad called Calvin Ramsey. Oh That's yeah, a, I actually um... think the deal's been done on that. You know, I, I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's it was announced that before we come on. Um, so people may or it was announced and, and not may, oh, okay. not announced by the club, but you know, by um certain sources. Nothing, oh, yeah, okay. Announced. I haven't been uh, with it, that's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I you know what, I, I don't know how I forgot about that because I was literally reading about it before. Come on, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, I suppose that makes sense. And definitely, if that's the case, then you've I think you sell Williams without without doubt, Josh. Yeah, I mean, as I said, Williams is a good player. Uh, he's better than I originally thought of him, honest. Uh, he's come on leaps and bounds. He's 21 still. A uh, homegrown player. Welsh. Um, and he's just played, I think it was half a season in the Championship. Despite his role as a, a bit of a wing-back, I suppose, type thing. Scored twice, registered two assists. And played for the team that won the league. And, you know, considering he... Seems to want to play. I don't. I don't think he's interested in being a backup. Which you know, fair play to him. He wants to get minutes. I think it makes sense to cash in. I think you could probably get. What do you think? I mean, how long's on his contract now? Probably 15, 20 million for him or something. Like I that. think so. Yeah, I think fifteen, eighteen million. I think that whether that be a, a high end Championship club or lower end Premier League club. Uh, I, I, has there been no noise of Fulham potentially formalising that deal? Yeah, the and there's been I've heard, I've, I've heard Bournemouth as well. Um, of course, of course, of course. Of course yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bournemouth are also supposedly interested in Nat Phillips, fully enough. Yeah, again, of course. I wonder, <laughs> I, I, did he have a good year there? I must admit, didn't pay that much attention. I'm not too sure, you know, but I, th- I think I think he did. Like um, he must have if there's interest. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Though that I've just checked, Williams has got three years left. On his contract doesn't mm-hmm. run out until 2025, so that bodes well for Liverpool getting a good price this summer. And then if you can get in a player who's three years younger, has a similar skill set, and can follow a similar trajectory while also being happy to be a backup in Calvin Ramsey, I think it makes sense. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen the, the tweets. I'm not sure if there's a figure on that, but I, the, the rumor was four million. I'm not sure if it's if it's going to be around six, that, but I, I'm sure it won't be six point five. Yeah, because uh, yeah, six point five. I call, again. I, I want to be clear. According to you know reports from reputable sources, not necessarily the club themselves, but yeah, about six point five. Uh, yeah, I mean that's it's buttons really compared to mm-hmm. what Liverpool usually pay for a player and what Liverpool are probably going to get from Nico Williams. Again, it's a, it's well, it's, I'm going to say it's similar to Mane. It's it's not really. This is kind of the other way around, really. I suppose. You're selling Williams for a certain fee, and for less than half the fee, you seem to be getting a capable backup. I I think he'll be, despite his age, I think he's 18. I think this lad will come in like a, a right side of version of Simicas, and just play every now and then, not suffer a drop off too much. I've wrote about him a bit for the Echo. He has he does take set pieces for Aberdeen, um, does have some very occasional minutes in midfield 
which is interesting. You know, suggests he's decent on the ball, which is important for Liverpool right back. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Mm. So I think that one's probably a given, really, Dave. Um, but then if we move further forward, we can go to Minamino potentially. Tough one, really. Um, because on one hand, you're looking at him as a player who just doesn't really feel like he's ever going to cut it at Anfield. But then whenever he seems to play, he seems to have an impact in some, in some form. Uh, certainly from a goal goal scorer's perspective, you know, his uh, goals to minutes ratio is, is is really impressive. Um, I, 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 I think I think the issue with Minamino, despite how effective he's been, I suppose, over the past year in terms of efficiency coming on and making a difference, I think he's got a problem with the young players around him who offer similar skill sets. For example, Harvey Elliott has emerged and Carvalho is now coming into the team. And I think those two in particular offer really similar perks across the board to Minamino in many ways. Mm. But they're just considerably younger. People forget, I think Minamino's 27. So yeah. if Liverpool can get a fee for him now, I'm going to check now when his contract expires. And supposed interest from Leeds, interest from Monaco, uh, one or two other teams. His contact, yeah, his contact expires in 2024. So two years left on his deal. In my opinion, you you definitely sell him now. He, he, he's always looked from the outside. Again, could be way off. You know, we're not privy to to behind closed door stuff. But it always looked like he's maybe uh, not not really settled in to life at Liverpool. If that makes sense, he's one of the few who, as I don't know, seems quite. Quite, again, it could be off, but he just seems quite quiet. Um, yeah. Maybe not one of the big dressing room personalities, and um, which can be difficult, you know, when you're just to kind of new surroundings and in a big dressing room and things. But put it this way, I think it's you can try and make a case for why he should stay. Uh, but if you were to say he was to leave, there wouldn't be that many people uh, disappointed. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel like a hammer blow for him to for him to go, uh, and I think that speaks volumes in itself. Yeah, my only thing with that sign, I'd be curious to know, you know, looking back now, what the intention was buying buying him, because there's been every transfer Liverpool makes, I think you can you can see pretty early on what the plan is or was for that player in terms of how he would fit into the squad, where he would get minutes. With the void he addresses, Mina Mino, I've got ideas as to what those might be. Maybe he was deemed as a a cheap uh, cover for Firmino. I think he's got a vaguely similar skill set. Maybe he was bought in as a man for the domestic cups. Maybe he was bought in as a super versatile player who can play virtually anywhere to a half decent level. I'm not sure. But I, th- I think it was that latter, in my opinion. I think the the idea had ideas of using them everywhere you know kind of as yeah. a false nine and or maybe using them as a, as a number eight or why just just a bit of everything really because if you look at the kind of when he was at Salzburg that's what he did you know played on the left played as centre forward played attack midfielder played in midfield he was a bit of an everything man and and yeah maybe that's that's what Liverpool intended but it does seem strange that, that you would not bring in a player who'd potentially have a set role yeah yeah interesting uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Sell. 
<laughs> a very fair one there. Yeah, I just feel like we've been here so many times, haven't we? Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. Just end it, yeah. It's a shame. I'm going to check now very quickly when his contact expires because I'm not sure how much Liverpool will be able to get for this player. 2023, so 28 years old, year left on his deal, um, and he hasn't been playing. So he could potentially be a, a little bargain for some sides, seeing him linked with West Ham, which I thought was interesting. I can absolutely see him playing for David Moyes, um, thriving on a break in particular. But yeah, a bit of a shame with Ox. I mean, he's had two elite coaches when it comes to developing youngsters in Klopp and Arsene Wenger, and neither of them have been able to get the best from him, which, which I'll be honest, I think it's more of a, a letdown on, on his own behalf as opposed to being anyone else's fault. I don't think he can he can blame anyone, really. Uh, although, although I think he's, you know, obviously comes across as likeable and he's got decent skill set, decent perks, but it's just never really exploded at Liverpool, has he? No, I mean, he's had bad luck as well, you know, we'll give him that. He's definitely had bad luck with injuries and things, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I, there's only so long, I think there's on, only so much that can kind of be used as an excuse. Um, yeah, I just, I, look, he might still be a player, but he just needs a new environment. Yeah. Uh, Divock Origi has obviously left, mm. and good luck to him. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think he'll actually do quite well off off chat. I think he's a uh, you know he's going to AC Milan, uh, just won the Serie, a, and I think he's generally good an move, underrated. Uh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And I think he's quite an underrated striker in terms of how complete his game is. I think he's he's, he's a, a good seven out of ten at Everton. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he gets on. Mm. Um, and I suppose we can conclude with the only other player I'd say who's got a future potential. In fact, there's probably two. Um, Naby Keita first. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I would give him a, a deal. I think. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you want too much upheaval. We're already light for midfielders anyway. And I think this current season that he's just had. Is probably his best since his debut year. Um, he did play a bit more often, stars a bit more often. Liverpool can now benefit from five substitutes, so I think he's I think he's fine. Uh, he's still only twenty seven as well, I think. So as a player to keep an eye on, albeit you wouldn't give him a massive wage increase in my opinion. Like I think he's worth keeping. To be fair, they play a lot of football matches this year. Twenty three Premier League appearances, four in the cup, ten in the Champions League. Yeah, um, yeah. That, it's not that's, bad, is it? It's not bad. No, that was quite good for him. And you know, you, you could even make a case that the games he did miss wasn't even through injuries. It was a lot more rotation this season. Um, he was more, he, he was more available than, than ever. So, I think this was a massive season for them. You know, if we would have had this conversation nine months ago. I think they would have been that it's probably best to cut losses on him. But he had a big campaign this season, uh, and that's probably going to be decisive in him getting a getting a, a new deal. Yeah, I mean, considering he's 27 now, you give him a little three-year deal, it can take him up until the age of 30. And I suppose you, you could explore doing similar as what we did with Wijnaldum, where we just kind of let the contract run down and move on. Um, And the final player, who I suppose future isn't really that much in doubt, but I suppose there's a slight question mark there, is Joe Gomez. Hmm. Um, linked with Aston Villa, actually, and one or two other teams, but I would be doing what I can to keep him at the club. 
I'm trying to think how many good centre backs are. So there's Van Dijk, Matip, who's 31, is that right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, Matip, Canate, and it'd be Gomez with their fourth choice. Any dispute with that? No, it, it would be, yeah. But, I mean, Matip just had a mad, a mad season. <laughs> a very really like season. He just played every week. And I yeah. think Klopp was very surprised at that. And that, that just major leave us to Gomez. But I think in a normal season, Gomez would have got a lot more minutes there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, just because Matip's had a really good season doesn't mean you can suddenly rely on him. You know, he could quite as quite easily start uh, breaking down again next season, you know, like he's done for much of his Liverpool career. So all I would say is, though, uh, I wouldn't rule out selling Gomez, in my opinion. If a, if a really good offer come in, I, I would be tempted to do so. Um, you know, Really good offer, it, as in? I don't know, say 35 million. Okay. He's currently got, yeah, two years on his deal. So if you sell him, you sell him now. But, and I know what you're saying, and that, but I, I wouldn't personally. I, I would keep him. But... Hmm. If he gets sold, he gets sold this summer. Yeah, hmm. we'll have to see. Uh, but I think we'll, uh, I think we'll round up there anyway, mate. So thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm sure you'll join us again next week. Yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week to talk about potential further Liverpool transfer targets for this summer. So see you then, and uh, thanks for tuning. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.